thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of She Leads Now. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I am excited to be bringing you another installment. I know you hear this every week, but I really, really am excited of the Lead Her Shift Reloaded series. And so we are reimagining, redefining, and rehumanizing leadership in this particular era. And so today I have another amazing guest with me, Dr. Christine Fusilier, who has been pioneering in all of the spaces for quite some time. So Dr. Christine is a wife, mother, business owner, leadership engineer, diversity consultant, and academic leader. She has had a successful progressive 27-year career in corporate America in the finance industry, where she has proven to be a great people leader and has held multiple high positions. She's also a published author of three books, The Business of You, Leadership Rex, and You've Been Gifted Cancer, Take a Deep Breath, dot, dot, dot now breathe. She's a John Maxwell certified coach, teacher, trainer, and speaker, as well as a Myers-Briggs certified practitioner and a certified disc behavioral analyst and consultant. In addition to that, she is also certified in diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and leading equity and diversity and inclusion in higher education. Without further ado, I would love for you to just share with us briefly your career journey and some of the decisions that led you towards this path and, and so many achievements and accomplishments. 
Great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I always call it a blessing when you're able to get before people to share your story and your inspiration. So my hope is that someone gleams something from it to further inspire them and their careers. I started out not really knowing what I wanted to do. So I went to college just kind of like I didn't have anything else to do. So I'm going to go to college. So I decided to go into broadcasting. I was ready on TV because I really like the technical part of it. And I started back then. And then I shifted as I moved into a corporate America early, early on in my career. I kind of shifted gears and I still stayed in the communication track until I started seeing the impact I was having with working with people, engaging with people in the corporate world. And then I moved into business administration and organizational management, and I ultimately got my PhD in organizational leadership. So that's my academic journey. Throughout my career, there have been, I call them whispers, of having a voice in DNI space, being able to speak about some of the injustices that are going on, some of the discrepancies that happen in the workplace. So I've always been in a situation where I've was able to raise my voice in that space or have a voice in that space. And that's joining different affinity groups within organizations that I work for, kicking off diversity committees and organization, and really bridging the gap between things that are all diversity and making sure that I do believe that we are stronger together. I do believe that we can do so much more in that space if we all work together and appreciate each other's gifts and their differences. So then I moved into, from corporate America and the finance industry, I moved into academia, where this is kind of like, I call it my sweet spot, because not only do I get to lead people, I also get to mentor and coach young people who are trying to figure it out. And they're trying to figure out what I want to do in life. And I talk a lot to them about leadership and branding, your personal brand, and what does that look like and how to find your voice and be unapologetic in your spaces. So I get an opportunity to bridge those two passions together, which is extremely exciting. And I also now am a business owner, the leadership doctor. That's the name of my organization. I work with individuals and organizations on how to build better leaders or how to become better leaders themselves. So I do a lot of coaching and workshops and assessments with people to kind of find out where they are and where they want to be and where's the opportunity to grow. I've published a few books and I've come up with, I call it my Stack Your Deck collection which is really, it stemmed from one of my books. You hear all the time how the the deck is stacked against you. So I said, well, why don't we stack our own deck? And from that birth, they're games, if you will, that you can use either personally or in a team building exercise professionally on the subjects of emotional intelligence, diversity, leadership, and self-empowerment. And one of my last book that I wrote is really about my breast cancer journey and how I use some of my development and my growth to do some self-leadership through that journey, to lead myself through that and kind of repurpose myself, reinvent myself and learn how to move differently in that space. 
So that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> and I'll continue to grow. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, such an amazing journey and pivots and shifts and foundationally just wanting to grow and wanting to develop and translating that into the actual work that you do and the people that you support. So I want to talk about the diversity aspect as well as what it looks like to build the next generation of leaders and what it looks like to prepare even those who are in leadership roles and capacities today to be able to adapt to what the leadership requirements will be or are today. But before we get into that, let's talk about the DEI because you've been DEI, you've been in the space well before it was this popular thing, right? But mm -hmm. back when, and, and maybe in some cases it still is, but definitely back when it was more so of a let's check this off the box. And so, what has been your, I, I guess, from your experience, your observation of the biggest shift that has taken place within the DEI space? And we all know that gaps exist. Where at the heart of it do you feel like we're still missing the mark as a human race? I think um, we're missing the mark at really having these hard conversations. To your point earlier, sometimes in organizations, we tend to check the box. And that just check the box could be, oh, we're going to hire a diverse group of people. We're going to have training put in place that's required, required training. But we don't sit down and have the hard conversations and listen to what each other are saying. So I think as we have shifted, and the shift is really about more awareness, right? It's become on all the platform. You see just about every company is having a DEI position available, someone who kind of leads the charge for them. So I think having the hard conversations and really talking about some of the things that are happening within our organizations that should be always challenged, should be questioned, should not be happening at all, and making sure that it's not punitive. Because sometimes when you raise your voice in that space or speak truth to power, when we're talking about DNI. It can be punitive depending on the organization. And I think the other gap is making it more cultural. Because if it's in the culture of the organization, it's not reactive. You don't have to wait till an event happens and then say, oh, what about our DEI? Let's look at our diversity. It doesn't become a reactive event in the company if it's cultural. Absolutely. I've worked with organizations, a smaller organizations at that, where it was just like, oh, Sabine, let help us with our DEI strategies. It's a business strategy, first and foremost, right? And it needs to be embedded in every aspect of the employee life cycle. Like you can't compartmentalize a human being and what matters to them and how they see themselves. You know what I mean? You just right. can't do that. Yet somehow we, we tried. We tried for decades and it did not work and it's still not working. But I, I appreciate that. And I also love the fact that you, you shared around having hard conversations. I think if anything, we as human beings and employees and people in the workspace have been very good at compartmentalizing when it came to our personal life versus our work life. And I came into corporate America in the time where I was just like, oh, you leave your personal life at the door. Like the minute you step into this place, mm -hmm. you are employee such and such. This is your role. This is your focus. And now we have this space that's been created and also this generation 
of individuals entering the workforce where they're like, wait a minute, you're going to get the fullness of who I am. And so it's this relearning of what does that mean showing up as my whole self? And so you're in the thick of it and you've been in the thick of it. What are some of your observations around what this awakening that individuals are having, how that awakening is kind of impacting and shifting workplaces, shifting society, shifting how we interact and relate with each other just at at the core human level? I think a lot of the awakening, as it always has been, is with our new generation because they're just not having it. They're not having the the days of, oh, when check your feelings at the door was a thing. They are coming all in into these workspaces. They have expectations of these workspaces. And it's sometimes it's interesting to see it because I see it in academia as well. And I saw it in corporate, the battle of the generations (laughs) that you would see. So more um, your boomers or your traditionalists are, well, this is just the way it's done. And then they're not afraid to speak to the power and say, well, why? Does it have to be that way? Is that way? Is that going to make or break the company if we do it differently? So I think the new generation is pushing us to open our eyes and say, okay, there's a different way to do this. And why are we not accepting people as they are? We want them to be authentic because you hear that word a lot. Be your authentic self. I can't be my authentic self if I'm code switching. I can't be my authentic self if I put on a mask when I go to work. So while there is certain behavior that is expected, like I wouldn't expect anyone to wild out when they come to work, (laughs) but I would expect them to be your authentic self and be real. And I think people appreciate that and they can connect better with you in that space. I often, when I talk to my students or my clients, I am as authentic and real with them as possible. And sometimes it hurts. It hurts, as your parents say, it hurts me. This is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you to just say the words. This is what's going to, this is how you are, your brand looks. And this is how you are perceived. And having being having the courage to, again, speak to power and be authentic and not be apologetic for it. Because the new generation, they're just not having it. They're just like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and in so many ways, I admire them. So yes. many ways. And then on other ways, I'm kind of like, mm, interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing that really sticks out is around being authentic right? And, and, and being able to show up yourself, yourself, right? A lot of times that narrative is really just focused in on the employee or the team or the staff. But I feel like there's a gap and there's an opportunity to speak to what does that mean from a leadership perspective, right? You know, you look at the generations before, it was very command and control. Millennials, I would say, are the ones, and I'm, I'm a senior millennial, whatever they're calling them this day, but we started to challenge the status quo and Generation Z is we're busting this door right open. But there there was a there was a very distinct model of what it meant to be a leader. And and I'm of the mindset and of the philosophy that leadership is an identity. It's not tied to a position, it's not tied to a role, it's not tied to a company, but it is literally something that we carry within each one of ourselves. But at the same time, we're human beings, right? And our subconscious mind looks for patterns, right? And there were patterns that were created before us around what it meant to lead, what it meant to be a leader, what it meant to have executive 
presence, what it meant to communicate effectively and all these things. And so you have a generation or generations who this model has been the model that they were okay with following. And then you have these other generations who are coming into the space and saying, I don't see myself in that model. I don't quite yet know what the in-between is and and how I can still, because I have the leadership traits, I have the leadership ability, I have the competency, I have the ambition, I have all that stuff. I don't know how to be me and still lead because it doesn't look like what I've seen or what I've experienced and been exposed to. So how are you supporting these newer emerging leaders to get to the place to say, okay, yes, there is a model or there are models but let's zone in on you and what model you want to create. Correct. And this is why I think coaching and mentorship comes into play, making sure you have someone who is, if not anything else, a sounding board of how, how do I want to present as a leader? And at the end of the day, what is your end goal? What's your end game in this space? You want to be in leadership, but why? Understand your why. And if your why is because you want to be in charge and control, then that's not leadership, right? If your why is, I just want to make a whole bunch of money, that's not leadership. You can lead across, you can lead up, you can lead down. Like you said, leadership is within. And how do you want that to show up when you're engaging with people? And that's about, it's about influence to me. And it's about being transformational, not transactional. Like you're not in leadership to get something like you give me this, I give you that. It's whoever you're engaging with, whoever you're interacting with should be different from when you first met them. There should be a difference. There should be something transformational that has happened in that interaction. Be it, it could be a seed has been planted. It could be advice has been given. It could be specific strategies shared. It could be a lot of different things, but there should be something different from them interacting with you because that's what leadership really is. And so when I'm talking to our younger people and even our newer leaders, I always ask them, why do you want to be in leadership? And if your why is anything but you want to be servant to people, you want to serve because leadership is a servant role and that you want to make people better or you want to transform people. If it's not those things, then maybe you don't want to be a leader. You might want to be a boss or you might want to be a manager, (laughs) but you don't want to be a leader. Yeah. And that brings up like that old age question of what's the difference between a manager and a leader and whatnot. And I always go back to, Title aside, right? We manage things. We manage processes. We manage resources, right? Mm -hmm. We lead, we inspire, we influence people. And so again, it doesn't matter what that title is. It's what is your mindset around what you're doing? And can you separate, hey, when it comes to another human being, I'm inspiring. I'm putting a lot more work in connecting with that person versus, okay, here's a process or here's something that we got to get out the door and I need to manage the pieces of that. Hey there, stopping by to interrupt your day for just a few minutes to share an amazing and exciting announcement with you. I will be hosting a three-day workshop titled Elevate Your Leadership, November 28th through the 30th. And this workshop will take place live via Zoom every single day. This workshop has been designed specifically for ambitious, impact-driven women in leadership who want to elevate their leadership to the highest level possible 
and show up as the best version of themselves in every single area of their life. This three-day workshop will help you completely transform into the powerful, effective leader you already are and give you the confidence and the clarity that you need to take the next steps in your life and in your career. I'll be sharing more information about this during the next few weeks. In the meantime, you can always go to my website at sabinegideon.com slash elevate. Again, that's sabinegideon.com slash elevate to learn more and to register. Talk to you soon. You talked about how you're helping the emerging leaders start to build this identity and build this brand and this confidence in what it means to lead. We still have a huge, huge number of people who are in the workforce. They're at this place where they're questioning, like, I don't know what to do next because what I used to do is no longer quote unquote good enough or it's no longer working. And it takes a lot for human beings to change and to shift and and to kind of see things differently. So how do we support the current people in leadership roles? How do we support them in shifting their mindset and shifting the way that they identify or clarify for themselves? Why am I leading? What kind of leader do I want to be? What brand do I want to carry? And what impact do I want to make on the people I'm leading? So this is how I kind of birthed my business. Um, It's a leadership doctor. And I went in it thinking, psychiatrists go to psychiatrists. Doctors go to doctors. Leaders need a space where they can go to either get refueled, refocused, and re-strategize their style. If you've been in leadership for years and you become rote, This is the way I've done it. This is the only way I know how to do it. If you truly are a leader, you do believe in continual learning and continually growing and evolving. So the space where I allow, I call them my seasoned leaders, to let's talk about it. What's different? What is making you want to make this shift? And usually it's because they're not getting the same results. They're not being as impactful to people. They're not being as influential to people. They feel like they're being passed by themselves, by their people. So those are some of the key indicators that, okay, now it's time. Let's try to reinvent you. And a lot of that is brought from, I talk about everything from technology to different strategies they can use when we're having these conversations with our teams or trying to help lead. So I give them different strategies. I do different assessments with them to see where you are to where you want to go or some of them that had them for a few years and then they get stuck. So we, okay, where were you a few years ago? Let's look at your assessment now. Where did this gap come from? Because I do believe there is such a huge leadership gap. And that's from everywhere from the church house to the White House. And we, and at one point, it used to be leadership was this classy, you were in this um, very prestigious thing when you were called a leader. But now it's all over the place. (laughs) So when I'm working with seasoned leaders, I challenge them constantly. All right, you did that before. You're not as impactful. You don't feel like you're being as influential. Let's see how we can shift that. And that's through techniques and tools. And sometimes I kind of push them. I give them what I call little assignments. Some of it is just a listening assignment. Your job is just to listen, not say a word. Hear what your people are telling you. You treat your people right, they're going to treat your business right. So I definitely kind of coach them through. They're not feeling well about their leadership skills. So how can we get you better? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're absolutely right. Something you said about from a leadership perspective, like you, you have to have the mindset of growth, right? Because yes. you can only lead people so far as you yourself have been able to go. One of the things that sparked for me as you were talking in terms of not getting the same results, and that is usually the, the first wake up call for human beings overall, but certainly for leaders. And so I think back to some of the women leaders that that I've had or women that I've reported into who started in the workforce years ago where they might have been the first and especially in the more tech heavy organizations or engineering right like they had to become someone different in order to just quote unquote survive in that environment and so as they took on these identities they started to see the same results that their male counterparts were seeing. And I think just as much as we're seeing a shift or desire for a shift in leadership in general, I also believe that there's an opportunity for women who are in leadership capacities or have been in leadership capacities to take a step back and reevaluate and reassess, am I showing up as me? Or am I showing up as the model that I was taught? This is who I need to be. This is how I need to show up to right. quote unquote, be successful or to gain respect or whatever else, whatever other beliefs were seated at the time. And so to take it a little deeper, right? Like leaders in general, all of those strategies are important, but how do we as women break out of some of the molds and some of the beliefs that were instilled in us around what it means to lead. And first and foremost, if we even are eligible <laughs> to lead, because I can't believe that conversation is still happening. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just a lot to unwind and a lot to undo. So how do we support our current women in leadership to say, okay, I don't have to follow that model. I can be me right. and right. figure out what me looks like. Yeah. I think, again, it speaks to coaching and mentoring. So when you are in a space where you're trying to figure it out and not sure how you want to show up, because I, I struggled with this early on when I, and I got into leadership when I was very young and I didn't have anybody who looked like me. There was not a blueprint of how to do this thing. I, I, I'm sure there were books around, but I wasn't as privy to them as I am now. And I didn't have a coach or a mentor. It was like trial and error. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure it out. And then as I was figuring out, I started to decide how I wanted people to receive me, not perceive me, but to receive me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure they received me in a very, receive my compassion and my empathy that I have for people and my drive that I had. So I started to just kind of move around that space and started to identify women who I did see in that space, like Ursula Burns, who was the CEO of Xerox. She is her story is phenomenal. Rosalind Brewer, I would look at women like that and be like, okay, and read about how they came through the ranks. And each one of them were very unapologetic about the space that they covered and the positions that they held. So it started to be like, okay, it's okay to be 
I am a little boisterous. I am pretty direct. That's okay. Um, I remember I was in a conference room and I was the only one of two women. I was the only black woman. And I was one of two women. And I was trying to say my piece and the guy kept interrupting me. And I said, I was like, I'm trying to explain the situation. And he stood up and pointed at me and was like, what's your problem? <laughs> and I was taken aback. I was like, I, and that was the younger me who didn't know how to respond because <laughs> I was like, well, there's no problem. And I kind of moused down. And then I was like, God, now today, if that were me, it would be like, actually, there's no problem. Let's proceed with the conversation. Have built my confidences much different, all of those things. And I just watched how other women who look like me moved around in these phenomenal spaces of leadership. They were totally unapologetic. And they also had coaches and mentors to help them. So I think that's a key part when we're trying to figure it out. Absolutely right. You said it. You were like, doctors go to doctors, therapists go to therapists. And we can never get to a point, regardless of whether we're sitting in a leadership seat or not, where we believe or we convince ourselves to believe that we've got it all figured out because we don't. We don't have a pattern for it. So we have to learn from others. We have to be able to glean um, from the experiences, the pitfalls, the challenges from other people who are in the situation and who can guide us out. And I think I've mentioned this before. Being in corporate, I always thought that the leadership was the most underserved in organizations because they didn't get training, right? It was like, oh, you've been promoted, figure it out. And most of the people who got the, the quote unquote coaching or executive support were the executives. And so I'm glad that we're in a space where leadership development is not exclusive to C-suite or to a certain level or to a certain title, but it's becoming available and and broad scale to everyone in the organization. Because think about it, when we have ownership or when we feel ownership or accountability towards anything, you're going to push through for that thing. You're going to see that thing. If it feels like it's a command or it feels I'm being told to do this. Who's inspired by that? Who right. ever has been like, oh my gosh, yes, I want you to micromanage. <laughs> so true, so true. And as we are in leaders and we're watching, I um, one of my books is Leadership Wrecks. And it really focuses on bad leadership, how poor leadership has destroyed organizations. And to your point earlier, Some models work for some people, so they keep doing it. So when we see leaders who are going off the rails or someone who's not really sure, um, I believe in the saying I heard, and it is, pull as you climb. We have a responsibility to help pull these people along as we're continuing to climb and grow, right? So we have to step in. We can't just let it go and be like, oh, well, not my problem. <laughs> you have to step in and say something and show them a different way. They have to be willing to listen. But I think, again, if you're able to influence and connect with people, they will listen. Absolutely. And, and there is a deal of courage when someone gets to a certain level. Unfortunately, they become surrounded by yes men, right? Like people who want to mm-hmm. please them, people who want to put them on the pedestal. And very rarely do they get the truth. And so like I have this level of empathy and compassion for people who sit at the top because I also understand that they're not getting the truth. Some of them don't want it because they like the what they're sitting on, 
rightfully so, but others, they do want it and they don't know to ask. They don't, to your point, they don't have someone that they can trust, that they can have these conversations with, that they can actually get that mirror (laughs) put up to them to say, um, yeah, this right here, let's work on that. I do see as the economy is shifting, as the marketplace is shifting, that first of all, we should have been humbling ourselves to begin Mm -hmm. with, but they are truly humbling themselves to say, okay, I don't know it all. I know business strategy. I know how to make money or I know this particular thing. But when it comes to leading people, when it comes to being able to open myself up and be vulnerable and all that, I don't know how to do that. I wasn't trained in how Mm -hmm. to do that. And so I'm glad that organizations are creating spaces for people like you and me to come in and say, I got you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yep. and it's a safe place. Create a safe place for them too, because I do believe, even in my roles and people who are some of the leaders that I've had, it, they have to feel safe too. Because sometimes there is a lot of scrutiny. The lady I work with now, she is more open than I've ever seen a person in her position to hearing feedback and listening, and very receptive to it but it's a safe space and there's no judgment. It's like, that kind of went this way. This is a different way that could have went. (laughs) And I think that's a growth for leaders too, to want to grow in that space, to be transparent and not be like, sometimes we internalize everything. Oh no, but a human being, you should be continually to grow. So you should be willing to listen to different perspectives and different points of views and be like, oh, that's a different way. Okay, I could have done that differently. All right, yep, that makes sense. Yep. So at least creating that safe place and being approachable enough where people want to come and tell you. It's kind of like, I want someone to tell me if as a leader, maybe Christine, that was a little too harsh or "Mm, you didn't hit the mark right there. (laughs) I am totally open to my team coming to tell me that. I hear what you're saying, but here's a different way. Or I disagree because that's okay. I think that's perfectly healthy. (laughs) Absolutely. Because we all have blind spots and, and to have someone who can be honest, direct, maybe even brutally honest at times, as long as it's done with a heart to help support a heart to help that person actually truly grow. It may sting, right? But at the end of the day, if that person's intention is really to help support you in your growth and your development, that ought to motivate you to create that environment where people can be that mirror for you. And so what I love about this conversation as I'm thinking through it is oftentimes, to your point, you mentioned authenticity. We hear these words thrown around, right? Like you'll see all top 10 leadership traits and leadership characteristics and attributes that, you know, make an effective leader and whatnot. And authenticity, humility, courage, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. right? All of these are, are words that get thrown around all of the time. But what I'm loving about this conversation is that we're actually bringing those things to life, right? From a practical perspective, what does that actually look like? How do we define that in real terms and real experiences? Agree. Yep. I think it's important that that we don't put ourselves as leader in ivory tower, where we are so disconnected from our people that we don't know what's going on. And this is how I I always call middle management. Middle management has the most power in the organization because they can 
tell the people in the ivory tower, here's what's going on. And then the other people that they are responsible for leading, they can dictate, here's what's going on. It would be two different what's going on. So I think that's the most powerful group. But if a leader does not allow themselves to connect with all of their team, know who's on your team, know the skill sets that they have, know what makes them tick. It's okay to go in the cafeteria with your team. Don't sit in the ivory tower and wait for a report to come to tell you how your organization is doing. Talk to your peer, the town hall meeting, and we're going to talk about the, the, the state of the company. And usually I've been in those meetings and I think, do, they work, do we work for the same company? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So one last thing here, as we're, as we're looking into the future, right, and, and we've talked about leaders who are on the come up, we've talked about leaders who are in the existing space. And I know there's no one thing, right? Because there's a lot. What is one thing as I ask that question? But from your perspective, just pulling out one thing that you feel or based on what you've seen and, and what you're seeing with your clients and the work that you're doing is essentially the thing that if people could get to the space where they can master this or at least create some more awareness around this for themselves, that it could move the needle just a little bit in terms of their leadership effectiveness? Hmm. I think the most important thing is connecting with people. And we talked about human resources earlier. The human and human resources is just now coming back. There was a time when it was there. It went away because automation got in the way and people, things were pushed into the management team but now you have this human factor. So as a leader, you always have to remind and keep in mind the human factor, connecting with people, talking to people, listening to people. That will change the trajectory of your leadership career by leaps and bounds. If you do not have the ability to connect and have conversations with people and hear what they're telling you and act on what they're telling you, then it's all for naught. Like I said, you're just a boss. You're not, and I don't mean boss in the good way. <laughs> they say you are the person that they have to come in and report to kind of boss. <laughs> not, but I do believe listening and connecting with your people, because I will always say, if you take care of your people, they're going to take care of your organization. You will have loyalty with people. And you will be influential with people and people will stay with you through good and bad if you are connecting with them. I could talk to you for hours, clearly, but I know <laughs> you have more and more impactful work to do. I just want to go through our little blitz section here in just a few questions. So as you think about your legacy that you're building today, what do you want that narrative to be? What do you want people to be able to say, oh my gosh, Dr. Christine did this? I want them to think Dr. Christine was impactful. She impacted everyone's lives that she touched. Good, bad, or ugly. And she did it intentionally. Love that. Um, and as you think about books, are there any books or is there one book that you feel has been foundational or maybe even pivotal to you in your success. One book that stands out to me, and I would recommend this to anyone, it's called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. 
And it's really sharing how you start to work for yourself first before you work for anybody else. And in the book, he's really given some great things on it. Like you do everything before 8 a.m. That's if you meditate, if you work out, if you write, do something for yourself first before you do anything for anybody else. And that's a continual growth journey. Yes, we will include the Miracle Morning in the show notes. And then last question for you, well, second to last question for you. As you think about everything you've accomplished, everything that you've done, everything that you still have your eyes set on, if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and give her a piece of advice that you believe would be a game changer for her, what might that be? Know your worth and be unapologetic for being you. Mm. I had to learn that. Learn this kind of own the space that I was in and know my worth and not apologize for it. And don't negotiate your worth either. Oof, mic drop. <laughs> I love that. And so mm. lastly, as the listeners are listening, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best place? Where do you hang out? I'm on social media. I'm on all the LinkedIn, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram under Dr. Christine Fusilier. Um, they could just reach out to me that way if they had any questions or just wanted to talk or anything that I'm working on. It's all on social media. <laughs> so we will include all of those links because I, I do believe I have those. We'll include those in the show notes as well as your book recommendation. Learn more about this leadership doctor and all of the amazing work that she's doing to support leaders who sit in the seat today, as well as the emerging leaders who are preparing to sit in those seats years from now. So thank you so much, Dr. Christine. This has been such a rich conversation and I really appreciate your support in, in ensuring and helping women and the next generation really own who they are unapologetically. Yes. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and sharing your time with me and continue to do the work that you're doing because you are doing a great works. And I love that you have a platform where people can share and learn from. So keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So we will be back next week with another amazing female leader. Until then, have a fabulous week. Reach out to Dr. Christine. Let her know that you heard her on the She Leads Now podcast. And I will join you next week. Take care and have a great rest of the day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. If you found today's episode helpful or got a piece of insight that you plan to implement in your business or organization, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sabine Gideon. That's my handle. And send me a private message or... Feel free to go ahead and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify. I also invite you to share this episode with anyone in your network who you think might benefit from this content. Lastly, be sure to check the show notes and the description below for links to resources, including relevant downloads, articles, and any upcoming training. Until we chat again, have a blessed and powerful week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. If you found today's episode helpful or got a piece of insight that you plan to implement in your business or organization, I would love to hear from you. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Sabine Gideon, that's my handle, and send me a private message or feel free to go ahead and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify. 
I also invite you to share this episode with anyone in your network who you think might benefit from this content. Lastly, be sure to check the show notes and the description below for links to resources, including relevant downloads, articles, and any upcoming training. Until we chat again, have a blessed and powerful week.